So, Bubba, Bubba was a good free Methodist. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Every Friday night <clears throat> after work, Bubba would fire up his outdoor grill and cook up some big, delicious steaks. Nothing wrong with that. But you see, all of Bubba's neighbors were Catholic. Since it was Lent, they were forbidden from eating meat on Friday. The delicious aroma from the grilled steak was causing such a problem for the Catholic faithful that they finally talked to their priest. The priest thought about it, and he thought about going to have a talk with Bubba about at least not cooking steaks on Friday. He knew Bubba was a good free Methodist, so he prepared himself with his Bible in hand, and he got ready to go hit Bubba with Paul's message, do not eat the meat for the sake of your weaker brothers and sisters. Just when he got to Bubba's door, however, he introduced himself and welcomed him in, and he told him that there was this sweet Catholic girl that he really liked and would like to marry her. Bubba thought, or the priest thought, you know, this is my inroads for him. So he said, I tell you what, I'll let you court this Catholic girl, but to marry her, you have to become a Catholic. And the Bubba thought for a while. He says, what does that entail? He says, well, you have to take catechism, and you have to come to classes, and then we'll have to baptize you as a Catholic so you can marry this Catholic girl. Bubba thought about it, and he was really open to the idea. Well, after one long weekend of intense study and preparation, the priest deemed that Bubba was ready for his true baptism. So the next Sunday during Mass, Bubba was brought up, and he was baptized as the priest firmly declared over him, you were born a free Methodist, you were raised a free Methodist, now you're a Catholic. That's all it was. And everybody was glad. They were cheered just like you did for the children this morning. Bubba's neighbors were great, greatly relieved and looking forward to a next Friday night without the tempting aroma of grilled steaks wafting through their whole neighborhood. Much to their dismay, next Friday evening, Bubba came home from work, fired on, up the grill, and tossed on a couple of delicious and juicy steaks. Immediately, neighbors called the priest and said, Bubba's cheating. He's sinning. He's eating meat on Friday during Lent. You have to do something about this. So the priest jumped into his priestmobile and sped off to Bubba's house. When he got there, he literally jumped out of the car, rosary and Bible in hand, prepared to rebuke and scold the newfound Catholic. But when he got to the backyard, he could only stand there in amazement because there stood Bubba holding a small bottle of holy water, sprinkling over the meat, going, you were born a cow, you were raised a cow, now you're a fish. Okay. So with that, we're going to have somebody read the scripture, Luke chapter 9, verses 22 to 24, and then 1 Corinthians 13 through uh, 5 through 6. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others. That's the one the prophet of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Well, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God. God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell any tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. 
Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And then 2 Corinthians 13, 5-8, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus, Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. So we all talk about what we're giving up for Lent. I'm giving up Lent for Lent this year. At least I'm giving up the way the church typically does Lent. The Lord is not interested in what I give up for just 40 days and return to it. He's interested in me giving up the sins in my life, which will make Easter more joyous. And he's interested in me giving into the Spirit of Christ living in me and through me. Although Easter is the most significant of all of the Christian holidays, it does not enjoy the kind of enthusiastic fanfare that is afforded to Christmas and Thanksgiving. Lent is a 40-day period before Easter. It begins on Ash Wednesday, which we just recognized this past week. Therefore, we have now entered the Lenten season and have begun our march toward Calvary and Resurrection Sunday. We have many special days and services mixed into this 40-day period of waiting for the resurrection and new life. We have Ash Wednesday, we have Palm Sunday worship, we have Maundy Thursday, we have Good Friday, we have Resurrection Sunday. Perhaps some are wondering, where does the term Ash Wednesday come from? In the days when fire was vital for cooking and heat, a major part of keeping house was keeping the ashes under control. During times when serious problems arose, that housekeeping chore would often be left undone, and so a person who was suffering distress would often have ashes on their face. Eventually, putting on ashes became part of the mourning process. People would put ashes on their face when they are mourning. In the Old Testament and New Testament, too, people would put ashes and sackcloth on when they were, when they were fasting and in mourning for, for God. Ash Wednesday is about mourning for the sin which made Christ's sacrifice necessary. Oftentimes, the liturgical churches that observe Ash Wednesday services save the palm fronds from the previous Palm Sunday and burn them to use those for the ashes that the priest rubs on the forehead in the shape of a cross. Lenten is a season of soul-searching, a time of reflection and taking stock. In the earliest days of the church, Lent began as a time of preparation for Easter, and by observing Lent, the individual Christian imitated Christ's withdrawal into the wilderness. So how can we use the 40 days of Lent to prepare our hearts for Christendom's most sacred holiday? What do we do during the 40 days to shake ourselves from business as usual to a more spiritually attuned life? Truth be told, most of us are out of tune spiritually. We feel good. We feel strong enough to put in a 40 to 50 hours work during the week, but we're too tired to go to church on Sunday for two hours. We feel good to go to Walmart for an hour or two, but can't 
go visit a member and encourage them for an hour out of our day. We sit still on Sunday morning saying we're not very emotionally demonstrative person, but we go to a Milwaukee's Brewers game and hoot and holler and jump up and down. We can focus really well on a John Grisham novel, but struggle focusing on the Word of God. The Lenten season should help us to be honest about honest with God and become more connected to his will and his life. To be honest, Lenten services and observance today is more about giving up trivial habits than it is about getting rid of biblical sin in our lives. We all talk about, when you ask people, what are they giving up for Lent? Well, I'm giving up cigarettes for Lent, or I'm giving up alcohol for Lent, or I'm giving up yeast for Lent. I mean, yeah, go get, go figure. I'm giving up sweets for Lent. We're all giving up things, trivial habits and trivial things, instead of giving up the biblical sin that brings us down. The Christian faith is supposed to be about imitating Jesus, who said some pretty radical things. We tend to want to imitate Jesus in ways that appeal to us. We pick and choose the parts of his life we will emulate based on our own sense of what is really important. We love to say, get thee behind me, Satan, right? But we never, very rarely actually do put the evil things behind us and go on. I think oftentimes we get caught up in the wrong stuff during Lent. We try to make it appear as though we are doing things to deny ourselves and draw closer to God. Every year during this time, we do the same thing over and over again for Lent. We give up the same things over and over for Lent. It's kind of like our New Year's resolutions that we, we make and violate a week later. It is, it's like that, isn't it? We give those things up for 40 days. And as soon as the day, the Easter is over, we begin doing those things again. We'll take up the cigarettes. We'll take up the alcohol. We'll do all those things that we gave up for Lent, not really looking at what it really means to sacrifice for Lent. We try to make it appear as though we're doing things to deny ourselves and draw closer to God. And yet we do the same things over and over. The reason we are supposed to give up anything in the form of a fast during this time is to give ourselves that much more time to focus on God and reflect on the sacrifices that Christ made for us. The purpose of a fast is not to go without a meal. The purpose of a fast is to take that time when we've dedicated for a meal or whatever else it is we're fasting and spend that time focusing and spending our time with God. And if giving those things up is so important, why don't we do it for 365 days instead of 40 days? How many times do we need to do the same things over and over? How many times do we need to, to make the same sacrifices during Lent each year, and yet we still have not drawn any closer to God? Some think social issues are important. Some think that we need to focus on serving at soup kitchens and homeless shelters and homes for battered women, and those things are good. They're good and they're, port they're important and vital. But still others are more excited by doctrinal issues, so they seek to imitate Jesus' teacher and scripture uses. They hold classes and spend hours thinking about eschatology, that is, if you can even spell it, and then Greek and Hebrew meanings of the words. Don't get me wrong, they're, they're important. These things are good. 
But why only 40 days out of the year? Here's the thing. Jesus didn't open a soup kitchen. He fed crowds who came to him to hear him preach on two recorded occasions. He didn't fight Roman authority or try to get legislation passed that would keep people from sinning publicly. His was a spiritual battle. He didn't form study groups or publish any of his vital teachings. Jesus didn't give up trivial habits, but he did fast and pray throughout his ministry. He did get away to spend time alone with the Father. He did deny himself, and he did sacrifice everything he had and was. I wonder if you would be willing to go beyond the sacrifice of trivial things in order to become more closely attached and more closely imitative of Christ in order to prepare your heart for Easter. It's highly likely that your time of self-denial will free up time to invest in your relationship with the Father. If you will set aside that time to spend with the Father, like Jesus went away oftentimes in private to be with the Father, if you give up shopping, preparing elaborate meals, video games, television, web surfing, or any number of other indulgences, you will discover just how much time you've wasted on those things. Notice I included shopping and wasting time, just the thought. I'm Pastor Tim, I'm your friend, but anyway, would you be willing to spend some of that time in self-examination? Self-examination isn't pretty, and it doesn't always feel good. Most of us can identify all the faults in our lives, or faults in the lives of those around us. We love to point out the faults in somebody else, but we do not like when that attention is focused on us or our faults, right? Scripture says, search me, O God, and know my heart today. Know if there is any wicked way in me. This is what Lent is all about. It's not necessarily about self-denial of habits. It's about asking God to really search in us. Jesus speaks to us through his word, and he tells us that all of life is a time of self-denial, time to give up something. But Jesus isn't concerned with no TV or don't eat meat or don't watch movies. That's not what he's concerned about us giving up. He's concerned about going into our hearts. Lent is a time to give up those sins in our lives not these things in our lives. It's the time to give up the sin of hypocrisy, acting like a Christian on the outside, but being proud and self-centered on the inside, thinking nothing of those around us. Lent is the time to give up the sin of duplicity, being a Christian on Sundays, but acting like a believer on Fridays. It's the time to give up the sin of being lethargic, Someday I'll get my act together spiritually. Right now, though, I'm just too busy focusing on everything except God. I I think I've told you this before, but I remember the plant manager at at a factory that I worked at years and years ago that I'd invited him to come to our services at the church that we were attending at the time. There were some evangelistic services going on, and he told me that as a youngster, he used to go to a church. Actually, he had actually gone to a Free Methodist church as a child. His grandmother would take him to a church. Said he went there, but he hadn't been in the practice of doing it. So I invited him, and and he kind of secretly praying that he wouldn't come. 
But anyway, you know how that is. You, you, you put out those things. You're not sure if you really want them. You know, you know what the people are like. And it's like, you know, Lord, it's kind of like, it's kind of like our idea of terrorists. We know they need Jesus, but we're not sure we want them to have him. You know, it sounds terrible, but we're looking more at condemnation than we are at forgiveness. Anyway, so, so this plant manager agreed to come to a service and he came to the last night of the, la- the last night service of this evangelistic service. And while he sat there in a service away from me, he was not with Nancy and I at the time, sitting back. Well, I better not point it out because some of you might come under conviction. Anyway, so sitting back in this area, back over here. And during the service, I looked over and saw him. And while the preacher was speaking, he was our Nazarene general superintendent speaking at our services. I almost said his name, this guy's name. He was sitting there in his chair and he had his hands on the seat in front of him, the pew in front of him. And he was gripping so tight under conviction that his hands were white, his knuckles were white. And his face was white. He was so much under the conviction about his life. And I remember at the close of the service, I didn't say anything, but a lady that was sitting near next to him said to him, said, I noticed that you were really affected by what the preacher said. Could I go up front and pray with you? He says, no. He said, I'll come to Jesus on the last day of my life, but I have too many seeds, wild seeds to sow. You know, friends, we give up, we, we may have these sins, these feelings that it's okay, we can, and I'm speaking to everybody, not just those that are sitting here, but we may think that we've got plenty of time. We need to give, this, give up the sin of being lethargic and not thinking about what it, the time will come for me to do that, for me to be obedient. Lent is a time of, of mourning, solemnity, sadness, and the Lenten season self-examination is crucial. An individual's response to the call for prayerful reflection on one's need for God is an important factor in choosing a discipline in which to actively pursue and observe Lent. For some, fasting is a means of self-examination and denial. Yet fasting is not an appropriate discipline for all people. The purpose of a Lenten discipline is to strip away those things which clutter up one's life or impede one from being in a full and complete relationship with God. Get that? Lenten, the purpose of Lenten discipline is to strip away those things which clutter up one's life, and you can imagine them for yourself, or impede one from being in a full and vibrant relationship with Christ. We need to be in communion with Christ at all time, and we need to give up not just those habits, but everything in our life that would distract us from being in a full relationship with God. Lent, then, is also a time <clears throat> for people to experience and reflect on the sufferings of Jesus in light of personal, our personal sin and unrighteousness. Jesus did it for us. One of the things I've done almost every Lenten season since it's come out has been to watch the movie, watch again the movie The Passion of the Christ. I don't know how many of you have seen that or seen that multiple times, but it brings back into my, my mind's eye what Christ really did for me and why. It points out to me that it was for my sin that Christ went through the pain and suffering, that torture and death. In fact, I've shared this with you before. Every time I see the scene where the Roman centurions 
are whipping Jesus with the scourges, the scourges that are ripping the flesh out of his sin, and they have delight in their face as they're doing this. The thought comes to me, when I am living in sin, when I sin, that is what I'm doing. I'm gleefully punishing the one who has taken that away from me. How dare I do that? And every time I see that part of that movie, it just comes full scale into me. How dare I not give up my sin for a God who loves me that much? What's Lent? Lent is like that man who stood in the back of the temple that Jesus referenced and watched the Pharisee all proud of him saying, Lord, thank you, Lord. I am not like them, pointing to the the publican. Lent is like the man that stood in the back and looked down at the ground and instead of praying like the Pharisee said, prayed to God, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I remember a prayer, one of my friends out in Oklahoma, we were in a small group together, several of us couples in the group, and at the close of one small group session, we gathered in a circle, held hands, and just everybody was to, to pray. I will tell you this guy's name. His name was Randy. Randy was kind of a Apostle Peter type person, rough around the edges. But when it came time for Randy to pray, quietly he prayed, Lord, I don't deserve your love, but thank you. That was the most profound prayer of the evening. Like this sinner's prayer, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Lent is a time for us to be just like that man in the back of the church. Lent is a time for us to give up our sinful habits and our sinful attitudes. Jesus did tell us to take something up, however. He said to take up the cross and follow him. He meant that we are to die to self daily and to surrender everything, including our lives, for the cause of Christ. Lent is a time for us to stand before God and to ask him to forgive us and cleanse us from our sinfulness. Lent is a time for us to stand before God and to ask him to empower us to turn away from our sinful lives. Lent is a time for us to stand before God and to live new lives that are dedicated to his glory and his glory only. Lent is an attitude. It's an attitude of honesty and humility as we confess our sins to God. But Lent is also an attitude of relief and joy, knowing that our sins have been forgiven, that our slate has been wiped clean as we seek to serve our God with our lives. It's not a time to give up things. It's a time to give in. We have a certain promise that is founded in the grace of God extended through the death of and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that gives us an absolute confidence that our sins are forgiven and forgotten. Important word. That we are empowered to live a new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. If people wanted want to temporarily give up certain things for Lent as a sign of love for their Savior, that's fine. But what Christ is really concerned about is what's in your heart. Today we are at an early stage of that walk to the cross. But our walk doesn't end at the cross. It actually begins and ends at the empty tomb. It's almost a, a circumference going around from that empty tomb. Begins there and it ends there. It begins there and it ends there. Over and over and over, we think of that empty tomb. Following Christ is more than an outward behavior. It's the condition of the heart. Are we living a resurrection life? 
we need to prepare our hearts for Easter by setting aside this time for self-examination and then when necessary, turn from our wicked and sinful attitudes and actions toward Christ again. God is not simply commanding outward obedience. He is commanding perfect inner obedience as well. He looks at the thoughts of our heart. He commands our total love and trust in him as the one and only God. He commands that his name be continually in our hearts as we go about our daily life in conversation with him. He commands that we never neglect his word. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, holy, righteous, noble, trustworthy. Think on these things. Think about what God is like in these things. God is less concerned about what we give up. That shows on the outside. He's more concerned about us giving in to the one who lives on the inside. So therefore, Lent should not be viewed as a legalistic or compulsory act, neither rather as a fantastic opportunity to set apart time for our spiritual cleansing, for our renewal, for our preparation. We should be spending time seeking God in God's face. And I tell you what, if you spend this entire 40 days seeking God and being in his presence and seeking to give yourself into him and his spirit, it'll be easy to continue to the rest of the year. Satan is going to try to defeat you and try to keep that from you. He's okay with you giving up cigarettes and, and alcohol and whatever else for 40 days, but he doesn't want you to give in to Jesus. And so he's going to throw obstacles up in your way. And we need to say, at that point, we need to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to live in Christ. So therefore, Lent should not be viewed as a legalistic attitude. Although there's no specific mention of Lent in the Bible, time set apart for repentance and mourning is perfectly okay, and we should do it. In the early church, Lent was meant to be a temporary interruption in the regularly scheduled celebration of resurrection. Notice that? In the New Testament, they went from a Saturday Sabbath worship to a time where they spent the Lord's Day in worship. And every day, not just Easter Sunday, but for the, for the first Christians after Jesus' departure, every week was a celebration of the Resurrection Sunday. I wonder what would happen if we observed that every Sunday and every day of the week for the 365 days. If we became a resurrection people, <laughs> somewhere along the line, though, Lent became a trivial, meaningless ritual in the church. Somewhere along the way, the church obscured the resurrection reality and never recovered it. Somewhere along the way, the eyes of the church became accustomed to darkness. Somewhere along the way, the church became comfortable in itself. Somewhere along the way, the church laid down the shining banner of resurrection, put on the sackcloth of Lent, and forgot to take it off. Somewhere along the way, resurrection became the exception, while Lent became the rule. Lent is supposed to be a time <clears throat> where we pursue where we have, haven't gone yet, journey to new dimensions in God, and experience more and more of our inexhaustible God who chases us with his love, a God who still bids us stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not stand against my church. And he was talking about a military army of Christians charging 
in ramrodding the gates of hell, defeating Satan through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this year, I'm giving up Lent for Lent, at least the way the church typically does Lent. I've decided to take Jesus' words seriously, to put oil on my head and wash my face, and to do Lent differently this year. I've decided to take off the dreariness and to put on the joy of the Lord that's my strength. I'm giving up Lent in three days, in three ways. I'm going to live out loud, I'm going to live in love, and I'm going to live in praise. I wonder if you would join me. I wonder if you would join me, if you would choose to move past those things of giving up the trivial things to, for Lent with its surrender of the meaningless, and instead would you give up your sinfulness and give in to the Spirit of Christ that lives in you and through you? Would you make this a Lenten season, not of mourning and decay, but of observance leading up to the resurrection of Christ, the example of what you live in your lives? Would you be a follower of Jesus, a soldier of the cross this season? Heavenly Father, as we have begun this Lenten season, we oftentimes in, in the ritualistic churches of our day, we oftentimes observe the habits more than we do this, the Christ, the Savior. Father, we ask that you would help us to give up the old and mundane and give in to the Spirit of Christ that lives in us and through us. God, may you be everything in us so that we may be the example of you in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.